Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Um, not too much going on this week, Derek. Just uh, put the old head down and getting some work done. Uh, didn't really do a heck of a lot. Uh, I was looking at a couple things to buy, which we'll we'll chat about. But uh, yeah, some technical difficulties. I understand. I had technical difficulties. Yeah, <laughs> a hard drive crashed with no no advanced warning whatsoever. Ouch! It just loaded. Did a couple of tick noises and. Pfft, that was it, so... Any key stuff? Um, and what? Any important key? Yeah, stuff? I lost a few things, but you know what? I spread stuff all over the place. I've got all these... I've got drop boxes, and I've got a couple extra drives, and I've got the cloud. I've got uh, USB keys and my computer at work. And I do work at different spots on different things. So actually, probably about... 80% of what I lost, I actually still had elsewhere, yeah. right? So, And you're, what, 12 hours away from losing last week's episode, I guess, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was in the big crash. Uploaded early and then the hard drive yeah. crashed. So that was, uh, that was a stroke of luck right there. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, so yeah, one of the things I'm looking at buying is a new new backup drive because I'm now using my backup drive as my main drive. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? You just get so busy doing stuff that you don't take the time to back up, which you should, you know, like it's like, and then when the inevitable inevitable happens, you're just like kicking yourself and it's like, but I'm not letting it stress me out because, hey, mind you, I'm keeping the drive because right now, if I wanted to take it in, and they could do the uh, recovery thing. It's going to cost me like fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. That's ridiculous. That's a bit stupid, if you ask me. Um, but I'll keep the drive because who knows? One day in the future, maybe dirt cheap. There may be a way to do it dirt yeah. cheap, and then I've got it all back again. Maybe a component needs to be replaced. Or yeah, something. who knows? So I'm not worrying about it. I'm moving on with my day, and I'm just trying not to. <laughs> but then my my iPhone. I have a, a case on it that's supposed to protect it. I dropped it right on the corner. I don't know if it was just the way it hit, but the the, the glass shattered uh. on the front of my iPhone. And I'm, I'm like looking at it like, I have the case, so it doesn't do this. <laughs> so. Didn't help. You know, uh, I took that in and got it fixed because I was dealing with it for a while. And then, yeah, my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't silence my phone. Speaking of phones. Um, so yeah, I was, I was using it for a while with, with the cracked glass cause I could still do stuff, but as time goes on, the, the cracks are getting bigger. And it actually, when you looked at it, it looked like a river Delta. <laughs> <laughs> there was all these nice little jagged lines going down. It was the river Delta of phones, yes. you know? So I finally, there was a point where, you know, you're trying to type a message and you're trying to look under the cracks and you can't read yeah. what you've typed. Is you're that tired an O getting, or an A? And you're tired of getting glass shards in your fingertips. In my ear when I'm talking on my phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I finally went in and did that. And then I told the guy, I need it for the weekend. And uh, not a problem, not a problem. I'll get it back to you at the end of the day. So I went and picked it up and <laughs> it was, oh yeah, it just needs to work in. Okay, whatever. Work so in? I took it, yeah, I, I don't know. So I'm <laughs> in the middle of a message and it stops. Like, so I've got to hit the sleep button, then turn it back on and keep on going for where I was. And then we'd, it'd freeze, then unfreeze, so freeze. Connection. So I was like, oh man, if you put your, and somebody said, put your fingers in two of the, like the a top corner and the opposite bottom corner and give it a slight little twist. And bend it in half. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and if you give it a little twist, it connects again and then you should be able to continue, which it was working, but there's going to come a point where I was just going to snap that thing in half. You know it was coming. So... I took that in on uh, Monday morning and told the guy, what the, he's, nope, not a problem. I'll just replace the whole glass again. And uh, two oh, hours later, yeah, yeah. Well, you pay the money for it. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you know, it was it was working before I dropped it off. It just, <laughs> it was cracked. So, but uh, yeah, it's been definitely a technology week for me. That's for sure. Yes. Just, you know, just uh, didn't want anything to do with technology. <clears throat> Didn't touch any of my guitars for fear of breaking them. <laughs> you know, didn't touch anything because I, I just don't want to break stuff because that's the way it was going. A um, few things we want to talk about today. Yes. Uh, one of them, the fact that it's tick season. 
There's that. Uh, one of them, I'm still in the mood to buy stuff. Yeah. And I was looking at, just because, you know, my brain moves this way. A lot of the times when I go canoeing, there's always winds, big winds. Yes. A lot of times headwind. But there's, last couple of years I've had some really nice tailwinds. So I thought, it, I was just looking online to see if there was um, small sails. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yeah, you throw your, your tarp out there or something. So, yeah. S-A-I-L-S. Yeah, there's S-A-I-L-S, a sail, like a canoe yes. sail, a sailboat sail, you know? Um, so I was looking at stuff like that, and I started doing a bit of uh, research on it. And, well, I ended up in a few places. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm no, and I'm actually no closer to deciding if I'm actually going to buy one or not. So what I found in 1865, <laughs> way back, this is how far I went back into, into checking stuff out. John McGregor built his Rob Roy canoe. Uh, it looked more like a kayak though, because, it, you know, it had the deck and uh, he used a double-bladed paddle. So for, was he England or what was he? Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's over in England. Um, but he's the guy that they say is basically the father of canoeing and kayaking, which I'm like, well, no, because it's been around for thousands of years, but it's yeah. just, no, he's the guy, he's the father of recreational. Okay. He's the first guy to go out there and say, Hey, let's do this for fun. fun. As opposed this to. This is not a work boat. This is not a work a, boat. It's a yeah. fun boat. Right. Yeah. Um, his, his first Rob Roy that he built was out of oak and, uh, had. Well, that'd be light. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not portaging that. <laughs> And, uh, it had a, a sail, um, and a jib on it to help with propulsion. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is where, like, I mean, the very first one had the sail on it. And it's, you don't see it too often nowadays, but back in the day, when you look at historical photos, you see a lot of, uh, of canoes and, and stuff with, say, like they used to build them and, and they used to be equipped for this. Yeah. There's, but it's there's... gone away. Like we don't do as much anymore, it seems. Well, in my research, I was finding a lot of stuff that with the canoes, especially the Grummins, the old metal Grummins. Okay. Right. Um, they were actually starting like uh, canoe racing and stuff like that with the sails, canoe sail races and oh, yeah? clubs and, and all that sort of stuff. And they are still out there. They're just not huh. well known, I guess, because you never hear about it, like you said. No, I never hear about it. Right. But uh, getting back to our good old friend, Johnny McGregor. Uh, he did a three-month tour in this Rob Roy through Europe. <laughs> and then he, he came back and he wrote a, a book, Thousand Mile Cruise. Um, and then he did a couple more trips and he wrote a couple more books. And, and I guess that's why he, he got himself uh, pretty famous there with all that. Um, but yeah, he would he would go down rivers and he'd go places that rowboats couldn't go or bigger boats couldn't go. Yeah. And he would throw up the sail when he could and paddle. Like I say, he had the, the, the kayak paddle um, as opposed to just the single blade. Now, you come further into history after everybody's starting to get into the canoeing and that. In between 1908 and 1978, Old Town Canoes would act, actually had uh, sailing rigs for their canoes, huh. which is what you're saying there is like people used to do this. It used to be rigged for it, right? Right through 1978. Right through to 1978. So two of the main things they had was there was the, the front canoe seat. You know, you got the two bars that go across with the cane in the middle. Okay, yeah. The back bar would be thicker and there'd be a, a hole with a brass ring. And the mast would fit into that. Huh. It would be an actual mast and sail. So like you'd see on a sailboat. Yeah. Boom, the whole the whole deal. So you just plop that right into there and you're off to the races. That'd be neat. Right? The other thing is they also had, uh, my, my, my Osprey, my Swift Osprey has a removable yoke. Okay, yes. Right, you just yep. put it in and there's a couple twists that's your single, on the side. Yeah, that's my, your solo, solo my solo yeah. canoe. And there's a, you know, you just twist down the, the, the tighteners on the side. Exactly. And right to the gunnels, right? Yeah. Well, they had the same sort of thing, but it wasn't yoke, it was another thwart. And there was the hole with the brass ring in the middle so that you could then put. A removable mount. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? So that was, that was right up until 1978 they were doing this. And then they also had various attachments for, you know... Um, rudders and lee boards which were on the sides yeah to help with the tracking and everything 
So yeah, you know what? And that was, yeah, like you said, that was a big thing that back then there were, there were people getting into it and I don't know if it was a lazy man's way to do it or just, <laughs> you know, help you travel more yeah. faster, different ways, different strokes for different folks. Now I've seen a few older boats and I've seen them out in BC and stuff. I haven't seen it much here, but they would have outriggers. This, this outrigger would mount behind the rear seat right on the stern and you would mount an outboard motor on it. Yeah. Now I wonder if outboard motors came into being and that's what killed the sails on boats because you, people would commonly sail their, their canoes and then about 1978, even old town started getting rid of that. And I wonder if that's because in the 60s and 70s, outboard motors became more and more popular. Well, I know the big, the bigger canoes, flatback canoes. Flatbacks, yeah. Right? Yep. They used to throw little motors onto mm-hmm. that as well. And you see the guys going out fishing for the day. Yeah. So you could either use it as a, with a small motor. Yeah. Or paddle it, depending on what you wanted to do, right? One technology replaces the other. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, now today you can get everything you need for your, to make it into a, your, your canoe, into a simple sailing canoe or like a sailing outrigger canoe. Yeah. Like you can even buy the big pontoon things that fit out to one side or being at two each side. Yeah, like an outrigger sponson type thing. Yeah. Um, You can also get the gear that will join two canoes together. Um, And then you can throw a sail up between the two of them. That'd be neat. Right? Now we've talked on another show. Yeah. We've talked on other shows where you can do that with a couple of canoes or whatever. And and, platform, uh, tent. Platform and and put your tent on it, right? I mean, we we talked about that. Uh, But yeah, you can do all this stuff. And as well with uh, kayaks, kayaks has, have the, the mast and boom okay. set. They have the, 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 there's three main styles of sails I've come across. Uh-huh. There's the mast and the boom sail. Yeah. There's the V-shaped sail, which is, you know, close to the bottom. Two masts go out like a V. Okay. With the sail in between. And there's a round bowl shape. Picture, well, picture a bowl. Yeah. But made out of cloth. An umbrella without the handle. Without the handle, yeah. 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 I've seen those, that one. When we went up, uh, when you, uh, we were up looking at your new canoe up in whatever, Swift? Swift, yeah. Yeah. Up in Bridge. They had those, they had those in the, in the, in the, in the showroom. Yeah. And, and, but so that's the only one I've seen for sale. Like I've seen pictures of the, of the double masted thing and I've seen old and ancient pictures on cedar strip canvas canoes with the mast and boom and stuff like that. Yeah, well, so yeah, you you can get the, all those with the, one of those three styles. And they, a lot of times it seems to be geared more towards kayaks, but yes. they will fit the canoes and just, you know, cause they got to keep up with the rest of them. Stand up paddle boards. Yeah. Our sails equipped now as well. I question that you'd put it on a stand up paddle board. I don't. Well, the, the stand up paddle boards, I think are being more with the V shaped and the bowl. Yeah. I mean, when you're starting to get a big mast and boom, you're a windsurfer at Are that point. Are you doing that much traveling that you need a sail and you're sending a paddleboard? Yeah, I don't know. Like, Maybe if it's really windy or something, you catch yeah. that wind like on it, the coast or something. It makes sense to use it with a kayak because if you're in a kayak, you're either on the ocean or you're doing a lot of long distance lake travel. You're going for a long ways. And with, with canoes, you tend to be doing rivers and inland waterways and lakes. And so there's a lot of portaging and you're not, you're not on the water that long. Like I can think of a few times like on Hogan Lake and Algonquin Park where I've seen people pull up, put up a tarp for a sail and, mm-hmm. and sail down Hogan. But Hogan's ideal for it because it's a long, narrow lake. Well, and if you're on one of the Great Lakes even, like Superior and stuff. But you wouldn't be out there with a canoe. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Seems kind of risky in open water like that with a canoe. Uh, Bill Mason. <laughs> I've seen him wait for his canoe to float ashore, ashore the next day. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, you know what? We've, we've been out, we've been out there. Uh, Lake Ontario, Lake yeah. Erie, right? Huron, Georgian Bay. In open water though, and Georgian Bay gets rough. In open yeah. water, it's like, you tend to be using kayaks, that kind of water. I'd be a little nervous going out on big open water with a canoe like that. Unless you had those tunneled canvas cover yeah. with the skirts and whatever for the canoe. Well, when you look at Jim Baird. Jim Baird, I yes. I mean, some he, of those massive yep, lakes he had yep. to cross, and, right? And uh, Wolf. Uh, Frank Wolf. Frank Wolf. Yeah. Him and Tagu. Tagu? 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 Yeah. Tagu? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to stop saying his name. His buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? So, but yeah, they're, they're more geared towards the kayaks uh, than they are for the canoes and, 
and the stand-up paddle boards. It kind of makes sense too, though, because mm-hmm. like with a kayak, you have the rudder in the back that's foot-operated inside. Right. If you have the proper open water kayak. Yeah. And and so it just makes sense to rudder in with a sail, and I would love to try a sail on a kayak. I, I don't really have the same urge to do on a canoe. Well, with me, the only reason I'm looking at them is, is like I say, if, if I'm on a trip and I get a really good tailwind. It'd be fun to get is, out there you know, for the day, yeah. one time out of a hundred. Exactly. Just throw that puppy up and just fly. I'm not sure I've ever had a tailwind. I seem to always get headwinds. I remember distinctly having two tailwinds. Yeah. Yeah. And I distinctly remember having about 468,318, 19, give or take, <laughs> headwinds. Yes, exactly. It always seems to work <laughs> That's that just way. A, an estimate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Like I say, it's just something that I was looking into. And, uh, but yeah, with, with the stand up paddle boards, they tend to have the V shape because they can connect right at the front. Yeah. And then you got a couple, you know, like I say, they, they go up at an angle in the shape of a V with the yeah. the thing between them. Now, again, if you're, if you're sitting there and you want to have a lunch and this is the big thing that they're talking, one of the things they're saying is you can use the sail to keep traveling mm-hmm. while you're sitting there, like having a lunch or something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, now, like you say, with the rudder and everything on a, on a kayak, that makes more sense. But on the stand up paddleboard, I mean, you just sit down and you, I mean, the width of the paddleboard and all yeah. that, you know, is, uh your your table yeah so you can be eating you can see where you're going you got your paddle you can steer a little bit yeah you know i mean same with with a canoe uh with the the paddle board as well is the round bowl shaped one because it mounts like the bowl okay on the bowl is right at the right on the the board yeah and then it comes out maybe um three feet tall uh-huh. So it's just enough to get, it's not, it's not going to be rocking you down the lake. That's for sure. But it'll keep you moving while you give your arms a rest and stuff. You I know, haven't, I haven't looked too much into the, the designs. I would like the mast and boom would, I guess that would give you the advantage of you could tack into the wind. So yep. you could have any angle of wind and, and use it to your advantage. But with the 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 V, the v shape not. and the bowl shape, you're, you're really only working with you know, a couple degrees off of the stern. Yeah. yeah. Like unless, it's all Unless stern, you can figure out how to use it right. Yeah. The bowl one. Um, because, well, I've seen videos of the guys and they've got the bowl ones on ropes, like a kite. Yeah. So if you've got that over the side and you know you're sailing and you can tack back and forth. Yeah. It's yeah. going to take you forever to do it, but you can do it. And you'd have to be able to, I don't know that I've never used one. I've never even looked into the design. But I'm hoping, or I assume, that you could just dump the wind really quickly because, like, kayaks and canoes tend to be not that stable on open water. So mm-hmm. you get a tailwind. If the if the gusts up too much, you'd want to be able to dump it. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I I don't know about the the mast and boom one. I guess you just just drop that sort of thing. Yeah, I know with the uh, the V one, they say you know it's it's held up there with the the shock cords that you can just quickly pull down. Yeah. Okay, and with the bowl one. Like you say, it's just like a inflated, uh, umbrella. Mm-hmm. You just let go to the top ropes and, and it it'll just flop forward. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right? good. So yeah, I'm not too sure about the mast, uh, mast and boom one though. Um, but, uh, in my, my, uh, ex- checking this stuff out, uh, materials, plastic cl- and cloth, sail mm-hmm. cloth, that sort of thing. Uh, synthetic plastics, right? Um, those are the newer ones. They don't last as long as cloth, but they keep their efficiency longer. Yes. And they're ultra light. Yeah. And the problem with the the traditional type of the sail being cloth is they don't last as long, but uh, they're heavy when wet. Yeah. Right? And as we all know, when you're on a canoe trip or something, you're getting wet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just a given. (laughs) Um, The visor, there's one company I'm going to talk about, uh, Wind Paddle Sails. They have the round, they, they've got the round ones. Yeah. And because sometimes it's right in your way. Well, it's always in your way. They've put yeah. a clear visor through it. So the center is clear plastic. Like a window and a tent. So there's a window. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see straight through. You just don't have this tarp in front that of you. That could be important. Well, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. Avoid rocks and yeah. islands people. and people. Yeah. Other Big crops. boats, you know, yeah. tankers, <laughs> <laughs> oil tankers are just having me floating down the lake. Um, Falcon Sales. There's another one we're talking about. Falcon. 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 <laughs> potato. <laughs> potato. Tomato. 
they do the carbon fiber uh, masts. Okay. So, so they got the carbon fiber. They they got the mat, the boom, well, and the that'd and the, be cheap. The mast, right? Yeah, but <laughs> hey, they got multitude of colors of sails to go with. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, there there was three um, companies uh, I found was Falcon, 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 <laughs> kayak sails, Pacific Action, and wind paddle sails. Now the bird one. They're they're complete rigging set, the the mast, the boom, and everything, the sail, three and a half to four pounds. That's pretty good. So that's that's yeah. I mean that's not too bad. That's a single ultralight tent. Yeah, on your yeah canoe and kayak. Yeah. So you rig it up before you launch, right? So that when you're out in the water, boom, you just throw it up. yeah, you rig it at the launch in 30 seconds, they say. Yeah. So when you're actually going, you're zipping up, you just pop it up and off you go. And this one, yeah, you can sail upwind as well as downwind. But I mean, you got to know how to sail, right? You tack. You're talking wind paddle sails? Is that the one you're talking about? This is the falcon sails? Oh, the falcon. Yeah, this is the falcon. sail This is the sail in the mast. Okay. And the, the boom? Yeah. Right? Because the, and, and I'm, I'm suddenly interested here because it's the, uh, I would like the advantage of being able to tack into the wind or, or take a, take a side wind and work it to your advantage as opposed to hoping for just a tailwind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what they usually sell you is the sail, the mast, the boom, lines, cleats, and fasteners. Yeah. Yes. So everything that you need to hook this thing up, right? Uh, I don't know that I would go, like I say, if I'm on a canoe trip, I'm not thinking I'm taking one of those. It's, it's, it is only four pounds. Yeah. But it's bulky. Uh-huh. When you got the boom and everything and yeah, the mass and, and all that. Eh? Yeah. 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 It's easy to, to, to set up, but you like know. carbon fiber doesn't float, does it? <laughs> I don't think it does. Unless it's know. filled well, with air. paddle. Carbon, carbon fiber paddles. Are yeah, but they tend now. to be hollow. Yeah. Well, I think this might be hollow too. Yeah. I don't know. They don't say. There's a lot of expensive stuff here that you could lose into a lake. Yeah. <laughs> Three point eight ounce Dacron sailcloth or a lightweight one point five ounce spinnaker cloth. Huh. Nearly infinite color combinations. The colors are truly amazing. Because <laughs> you know that's a big seller to me. Yeah. Uh, the optional carbon fiber mast. It's lighter, stiffer than the nearest competition. Um. So yeah, and it all breaks down easily yep. to fit inside. And they say the longest piece is 28 inches. 28 inches, that's like what, two and a half feet or so? Just less than two and a half feet? Uh, that's two, pretty long. Just, yeah, two and a half yeah. feet. Yeah. yeah. So. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. And you throw it all in a, in a sail bag. Because you could strap that under a seat or something and be tucked out of the way when you're not using it. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm curious now. But there's got to be a cheap way to do this as opposed to, like, I'm not going to go out and spend the money on, on something like this. I'd want to try it first. Yeah. Well, I'm, there's got to be a place you can try it. Well, you can check those out at falconsales.com. Falconsales.com. Unless you're Derek, then you can check them out at <laughs> falconsales.com. <laughs> so the next one, Pacific or Pacific, however Derek wants no, to No, you said it. it right, Pacific. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Pacific Action, which is pacificaction.com. These are the V-shaped sails. Um, these ones were actually developed over in New Zealand and Australia by the paddling enthusiasts themselves. They they all took upon themselves, I guess, to figure out, this is what we need to do. This yeah. is the best way to do it. Let's go. And the this design, is what they came up with. The design looks like it's easy to use. It's simplified. It's It can be fitted to, they, they say, most canoes and kayaks. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like you say. It's just two, <laughs> two masts that go up. Yeah. With the sail stuck, stretched between them. Yeah. Right. Um, masts are raised automatically using their shock cords or bungees, and you know it runs between the two masts. Clip point at the bow. This one seems so simple and so ideal. It is. And it's very simple. You just yeah, just pull back the trim line and you lower the sail as well. Yeah. And again, it um, when it's down, you just roll it, roll it up the sail yeah. with the masts inside, and just store it. 
huh. side of your kayak Strap under it. your street. Uh, yeah, your, on a on a kayak, seat. you just stick it in the bungees on deck and. Yeah. So it is. I think. I think this would be, in my opinion, for a kayak, much easier mm-hmm. than the mast and the boom. Yeah. Um, that one. That one. I think would would do well. You'd have to think ahead with a kayak. With a canoe, you can rumble around and move around the canoe and move mm-hmm. and set stuff up. With a kayak, you're not getting out of the cockpit. So not out it, in the middle of the lake. Yeah. So you're gonna set it up on shore, knowing you have a windy day, yeah. and popping it up if you happen to get a tailwind or you know anything off the stern quarters or something like that. Yeah. And if it's a, a bright sunshiny day with no wind, then it's just gonna be rolled up and under your it'll, bungees. It'll stay there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one, uh, pacificaction.com. They're the V-shaped sails. I could make one of those. You could. And we'll talk about that. Now, the one that intrigued me was the round bowl-shaped ones. Because this basically like throwing a kite up. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, now, the one when they show it, it's actually connected to the front of your, your, your canoe or your kayak and yeah. stand-up paddleboard. They have one called the Cruiser Kayak Sail, but it can actually be used. It's the largest one they sell. And I'm there, what, $175 US? That's uh, that's a decent entry-level price. Mm-hmm. Lightweight, instantly clips, uh, or sorry, instantly launching sail that connects to most any boat with no additional hardware. Just clip the sail on, release it, and go. See, that's, that's the simple way. That's, that's the, that's what's going to get people using it. Because it I don't want to be, be messing around with stuff in the canoe no. trying to set, Hey, it's windy. Let's go. Because by the time you get to spend 10 minutes getting something, you've just lost. Yeah. You could have been there paddling. Yeah. You could have. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whatever. Um, but this one's designed for the power heavy canoes and tandem kayaks. The cruiser, they say, uh, also a great choice for stables, sit on tops. Who only go out in the lightest of winds. Hmm. So, uh, set up instant launching, um, target boats, kayaks, canoes, inflatables, tandems, and expedition boats, 14 to 18 feet long. That makes sense. Five to 30 knot winds. Off wind sailing angle, 180 degrees. No. What? Says so. What does that mean? Plus or minus. So I saw these guys with one of these right on the front and it's just zipping along. Yeah. But I also saw another guy and he had it on ropes. Yeah. Like a kite. Okay. And it was up. In the air. In the air. Okay. Well above his canoe. Huh. And it's shooting them down the lake. Huh. So fly it like a kite. So fly it like a kite. Now you look at the kite surfers. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And it's got to be like that. And yeah, the kite surfing. I've always wanted to try something yeah, like that. Yeah, I looked into that price. That is I'll cash in a couple of my canoes to get one of those rigs. I've got a guy at work. He's He does this all the time. He's he's out on Lake Ontario and it's it's wicked. I've seen him out there a couple times now and uh, he just flies. Yeah. It looks fun, but... <laughs> oh, it looks like a lot of fun. I'd be in the water more than I'd be on the... On the oh, I wouldn't <laughs> be in the water. I'd just be dragging. <laughs> there goes this kite with this guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, this is, this is the one I'm actually looking at oh, yeah? because yeah, it, it goes into a small little pouch and then with the ropes, you just <laughs> throw it up and it, the air, wind catches it Yeah, and it's inflated and off you go. I you can, can hold it. You can latch it on your canoe. Yeah. Like I say, if you had it connected to the, to the bow yeah, and then you had the, the two other ropes, the top ropes connected to your yoke yeah. or rear thwart. Mm-hmm. And you're just steering. When you're done and you want it to come down, you just release those two up yep. the thwart and it just collapses on mm-hmm. itself, right? Huh. It's perfect. I guess you could try that out by using an umbrella. A big golf umbrella. I've got one. I'm going to take it with me camping this summer. I'm always in the stern, but my wife could hold the umbrella. Yeah. Drop it in the lake. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> The wind's too strong. <laughs> there goes one of your kids. Yeah. Like Mary Poppins. <laughs> Grab the kid. <laughs> so regardless of which version you go for, the yeah. mast and boom version, the V-shaped version, or the round one, which that intrigues me the most, you're looking anywhere from 100 to $500 for a properly made one. Uh-huh. At least. For the round ones, you mean? No, for all of them. For any of them. Any okay. Of them. Yeah. Yep. You're, you're looking at starter yeah. ones. You're looking anywhere between $1 to $500. 
for a starter. For a starter level. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Or going back to our buddy Jim Baird. Yes. The Jim Baird sale. He's got one of his videos up um, when they were going across one of these big lakes. Yeah. And he went semi-V-shaped. All he did was stick two paddles up at the side of his canoe boat, about halfway up, jammed it in, put a couple of carabiners around. A, on the bow seat. Uh, on, yeah. No, no, a bit back. Uh, oh, I think yeah? it was on the on the yoke. Oh, yeah? Right? Jammed them up. Big carpenter's garbage bag. Okay. Over top of those. Huh. Like just, just slid them around. Yeah. So the, the paddles were up into that. Okay. Held it wide open and off they went. Huh. Price about two bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> eh? A garbage bag price. Uh, there is actually a video. Maybe we'll, we'll post it to our site. Uh, but yeah, he's he says the only thing is you, it only works if you've got a tailwind. Yeah. And you're going in one direction. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's some steering you can do, but you're not tacking or you're anything not like doing that, much, right? Yeah. It's just to help you with it. If you got a really good tailwind, yeah. throw them puppies up and let them help you. And I've seen stuff like that on, and like I said, Hogan Lake. And uh, I saw it once with a person with a tarp in their canoe. The person in the bow seat was holding it. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen on Hogan Lake, two canoes, they tied them together. And there was a person in each bow of each canoe had a was holding a tarp tied to paddles and yep. they sailed down the lake on Hogan Lake. And it was, it was, uh, it made me want to try it, but it also looked very sketchy. Yeah. Like you're going to. I've, I've tried, gone to try the, the, um, tarp thing before, yeah. but it's like, you know what? Uh, no. You, Things could go wrong. Everybody carries the big blue tarp, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, no, that's going to go. That's going to go sideways really fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can just see it. Right. So. I'm going to try the umbrella. But other things to try, an old tent fly. Yes. Like remember the old or dome current, tents? Or your current, or your current tent, tent fly. fly. The tarp, the umbrella, or if you've got a large kite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Go, go buy one of those. But if you get the chance, check falcon or falconsales.com. <laughs> check pacificaction.com. Yep. And check... check windpaddlesales.com. The three of them will give you a, a good idea of the type of sales out there and what's involved. And then you, you can go from there. But you know what? I'm either going to go the Jim Baird for two bucks or I might check out one of these round shaped bold ones yeah. from uh, Wind Paddles. They seem to be uh, be the choice. That's for sure. So up to you what you're going to do, but uh, you let me know how it goes with the umbrella. I'm going to try I'll the let you know. We know how it goes with the Jim Baird sale. And uh, if, I, if I do bite the bullet, I'll let you know how it goes with the round sale. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk tick season. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. And welcome back. We are going to talk, because it's the time of season, about ticks. Um... We've done some research on this. Uh, we t- I know we talked about it last spring as well, but yes, we it- mentioned. But it's it's a good reminder. It's it's uh, like I know I think about it every spring, and I think about it more now that I've done more research for this radio show. And, well, you're and, getting paranoid with them now. I know, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what it is that bugs me about them. It's you know like I I'm I, I'm more paranoid about ticks than I am about bears. I think it's just the willies that yeah, you're getting the willies the creeps. I think as well, it might be, as we, we discussed before, is if you got a grizzly bear coming at you, you know what's about it's to coming. happen. It's but coming. with, with, with ticks, 
Yeah. They're sneaky little buggers. And also the fact that like untreated Lyme disease, like you, you can have debilitating, like it causes exhaustion, loss of muscle, whatever, this, all kinds of stuff. And it could last six, seven years and it could eventually kill you. That's... Ugh, that's yeah. <laughs> that's a nice slow one. Why don't and grizzlies it, get you like that? <laughs> they just take you out. <laughs> they just take you out. It's done. One fell swoop. <laughs> Almost painless. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's, it's just because it's this time of year. So... Ticks are, uh, in the spring, it's when they're most prevalent. And, but they, they do, they're there present throughout the entire season, but they're mostly hungry. They've just came through a long winter and, and so they're latching on anything they can find, right? So it's just a, it's a good reminder to keep yourself aware of ticks. And the biggest thing is, is when, every time you go out, every time you're in long grass, you're, you're exposed to any environment where ticks are prevalent, then Make sure you give yourself a good check over. And, and what is it? Uh, they, they tend to go into warm, moist areas. So, you know, behind your knees, in the hair, back of the neck, armpits, armpits yeah. stuff like that, right? Yeah. So it's give yourself a good check over if you're, if you're out there. And, and with Lyme disease, they say it's like 24 to 48 hours before they can pass the Lyme disease back into your body. Uh, check your animals as well. Yes. My uh, brother-in-law is a dog. has already got one on the top of his head. Already this year? Already. Yeah. What, uh, I guess last week, two weeks ago. Huh. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, we were over for dinner and uh, yeah, he's got a tick in the top of his head already. Wow. Yeah. I don't know what the, the prevalence of Lyme disease in ticks is, but you know, I guess with, I guess you can get it from, there's a few species of ticks, but most commonly it's the, uh, the black legged tick is, is what's m- most commonly known as a carrier of Lyme disease. Yeah. They're and uh, if you're going trampling through the bush and everything like that, yeah. you're, you're yeah. going to find them. So like long pants, socks, t- tuck your pants into your socks. If you know you're in an area, like often like with camping, you're in sandals and shorts. So I guess uh, good for you. Like you're going to see the tick right away. <laughs> Just like, you know, uh, anything that's going to latch onto your skin, you know, it's, you want to keep an eye out for it. Yeah. I had one in the back of my leg one year and, uh, um, I thought it was just dirt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was small and then I just thought it was dirt, but turns out, no, it wasn't. I've never had a tick. Yeah. It, it's... And I think this is part of what we're talking about, why you don't like it. It's the ooh factor. Yeah. It's, it's the, the fact unknown. that it's actually digging into you. It's yeah. burrowing into you. <laughs> it's... You're not helping. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a mosquito or a black fly that just like it takes bites, a bite and it run. It hurts, you know it. It just, hey, this is tasty. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to snuggle in. And... Yeah. And thing with a tick, that it, it kind of anesthetizes the area. You don't know that they're biting you. You yeah. don't feel, you don't feel itchy. It just, it bores into you and it, you don't only know it's there if you see it with your eyes. And that's the thing is, yeah, I didn't even feel it there. It, it, there was no pain. There was nothing. It was just the ooh fact when I realized what yeah. it was. Like, whoa. It was like this thing digging into me. It's like, yeah. ugh. <laughs> <laughs> That, and I think, I think at the end of the day, that's part of why you don't like it them. It gives you the willies, yeah. It just gives you the willies, the yeah, heebie-jeebies. No. Yeah. I can handle a bear coming at me, but not a tick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, cause they come at you. <laughs> come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah. But there's so... Well, I'm just going to quickly go over, like I'm sure everybody knows about a lot of these things we're going to discuss, but so I'm just going to quickly cover stuff just as a a reminder for the upcoming camping season. As you you know, you're camping, hiking, you're out in in whatever, being exposed to ticks. So the the old wives' tale of things is that they used to say how you get rid of ticks. These are things that you don't want to do. That's like, so you take a match... A lit match and, you know, while it's still hot when you blow it out, you, you try and fry the little sucker. That's not good because it, it forces them to inject whatever they're going to vomit into the, uh, what do they call it, the midgut, back into your body, right? As well as, uh, you know, I remember my parents talking about you, oh, you just rub uh, like uh, jelly or, or uh, what is it called? Uh, petroleum, petroleum jelly? Petroleum jelly. Petroleum jelly. Yeah. You cover it with a petroleum jelly and, and it's supposed to make it come off. No, it just makes them puke into you. And, uh, also just, if you, the last thing you want to do is just grab it between your thumb and your finger and, and rip it off because you're going to squeeze it and you're basically, you're going to force it to uh, puke up into your body. And, and that's, 
and with with a normal tick bite, they say Lyme disease takes a while to go back and transfer 24 to 48 hours because they need to feed for a while. And then during the feeding process, after a day or so, they start to pass their, their saliva or their spit back and forth into you as they're feeding and engorging themselves with your blood. So that's where the, the Lyme disease gets transferred. That's why you have some time. Now, the proper way to get rid of the ticks... They, you, you know, there's tick keys, there's tick removal kits, there's whatever, like, you know, fine pointed tweezers, right? And uh, so that's a good way to do it. Another way that we saw in the research is uh, the straw and knot. This one's kind of neat. I think it's little... I've never heard of this one before. I've never heard of it until you found it. But mm-hmm. like I would have normally, I, I I have a tick key that I put in my first aid kit. That's, it's a little wedge and you just slide it over the tick and it comes to a very fine point to pull the, the mouth bit out of the, out of your body. But the straw and knot thing, you put the straw over the tick. So the tick is fully covered with a straw. You tie dental floss or a fine thread over the straw and you slide it down. And when the thread slips off the end of the straw against your skin, it's going to be at the mouth part, and then you can tighten the knot and pull it up and out and dis- disengage the tick from your body. So that's kind of neat. It's, it'd be hard to tie a knot around a tick and get it around the mouth part, but the straw guides the knot. If you're ever sewing at McDonald's, <laughs> you go grab one of those yellow yeah. straws. <laughs> you're set, buddy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so depending on the size of the tick, you might have to carry six different varieties of straw sizes. <laughs> I like my tick key. I'll use that. Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, I think this is a little excessive, but they call it an intradermal blister. And basically that's if you're close to a doctor or like a walk-in clinic or something, you can walk in and they can, they eject a, a xylocaine, xylocaine. xylocaine into the skin right underneath the tick. And this basically is poisoning the well. It, uh, it's, it makes the, the blood under the tick taste bad and he'll want to back out and look for another source of not so bad tasting blood. And that just makes him want to naturally ungrip. So it's, it's, these things are, you know, like I say, again, it's, it takes some time for it to transfer and, but thing, thing that, uh, kind of comes to mind when we were doing all this research is kind of preventative measures. And one thing that I've come across a few years now, and it's, uh, it's permethrin. So if you, uh, if you, I think you can find them at like TSC or like uh, any farm store or whatever. They the farmers use it to keep flies off the off the cows and whatever. So you buy and I guess it comes can, in a spray bottle. Yeah, so in your or you can get it concentrated and you, mm-hmm. you dilute it, right? So permethrin is you uh, mix it into a light solution. You wash your clothes in it, and this permethrin it sits into the cloth so that. And it, it takes like, they say about five or six washings to get the permethrin back out of the cloth. So you can basically wash your camping gear and it's good for the, you know, your a season or half a season or whatever until you have to reset the stuff into your, into the fabric. So this would be great for like, uh, like socks and your pants and any Anything long you're going sleeve. outside with yeah. all the time, your hiking Just, gear. And what it does is it, for one, it'll, it, it helps avoid any ticks from you being exposed to the ticks but it also keeps away the flies and and whatnot right so like i think that'd be great on socks because the little buggers love to get my ankles right but it uh the permethrin is i think it's a i've been looking at doing this for a couple years now and i understand there's a couple places you can buy it in bulk and then you dilute it right so it's a that's a good idea uh another thing that and and this is the uh this is one of the creepier things with to do with ticks we came across during this research and I just came across it by accident. It was, I wasn't even looking for anything. It's just, it's a story that I saw on my newsfeed and it was, uh, in, in, it was in Maine, in, in Eastern Maine, Southern Maine, Southern Maine, in Southern Maine, they, they've just, and I guess the first time this was discovered was in Powassan, Ontario, but it's very common in, in Southern Maine now. It's called the Powassan virus carried by ticks. So this Powassan virus, what it does is it can transfer in less than an hour to the human body from a tick bite. And what it does is it causes swelling of the brain or encephalitis. 
So this one is, uh, this one kind of creeped me out when I heard about it and you know, I'm already kind of creeped out by ticks, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here this uh, encephalitis, you can get encephalitis by being bitten by a tick. And, and apparently it's, it's very common in, in Southern Maine right now. And they're, they're warning the public about it. So that's, uh, that's kind of. That's, that's scary. It um, is. Well, the fact that you, like say less than, less than an hour, you can contact something that yes. you have no clue. Yes. That you've gotten. And this is not a panic thing. It's like, you know, I guess last year there were 77 cases and like, like seven or eight people died from it. So there's the odds of being injured or or dying Dying from this are kind of Kind of lowish. Yeah. Yeah. But still it's, it's there. Yeah. It's, it's faster and worse than, than the Lyme disease. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's something to, to pay attention to for the upcoming camping season, watching out for ticks and tick-borne virus transfers. And, uh, check, go on to Google and check out the Powassan virus, yeah, yeah. especially if you're, if you're worried about ticks. Uh, it's definitely something to take some preventative uh, measures. Yeah. And have some tools in your first aid kit to be able to pull a tick off your skin. Yeah. That's, that's the, the main thing is, uh having something yeah i mean your little tick key doesn't isn't very big no it's not very big yeah. it's, it's the size of a key <laughs> yeah so, so it fits right in yeah, your pocket exactly so you might as well have it there because yeah. if you find it it's, it's no different than finding a blood sucker on you yeah you're, you're Leech canoeing, or whatever you yeah rip yeah. it off sort of thing well this yeah. you got that you pull it out of your pocket take the tick off and be on your merry way exactly yes yeah so let's take a quick break here and get over the heebie-jeebies and uh, <laughs> we'll be right back You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. And welcome back. Uh, we are discussing a couple things over the break, and uh, Derek, you wanted to mention something about... Uh... Yes, I wanted to mention that we mentioned last week about uh, waiting for ice out. And, uh, well, the ice is out in Algonquin Park. A lot of people, uh, may you may not be have access to Algonquin Park, but everybody kind of follows the ice out, the spring, and... There's and contests. Yes, contests. And so Algonquin Outfitters have done their contest and named their winners for the ice out contest. It was on the 25th. So on the 25th, the ice went out. Now, even with ice out, it's still early in the season. So uh, the uh, the Algonquin Park is, you know, in some areas, they're still not allowing people into the back country, but most front country areas are now open for access. There's a couple areas like hiking trails through the Algonquin Park corridor that are flooded and closed down. And there's a few access roads that are flooded. And there's even some northern access roads that are still snow covered. So you still can't get in either washed out or snow covered or whatever. And some of the smaller lakes still have a lot of bergy bits, icebergs and, you know, chunks of ice. And so it could could be complicated. And in northern ends of the park, you could still expect low temperatures at night where you, you might see ice start to reform or the floaty bits of ice start to coalesce. And and, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's something to be aware of if you have an early season fishing trip planned or whatever. The good thing though, is that, uh, the, uh, the mosquitoes are, are, are not hatching so much yet. Yet. <laughs> yet. Give it time. But yeah, and that could just turn around. Like, well, I honestly thought that the ice wasn't going to be out until like second week of May, but then they just got a big windstorm and uh, Opiongo just cleared. Cleared, yeah. So it happens. It it happened earlier than I thought it was going to happen because the temperatures were still cold and they were still getting these uh, low temperature drops. Anyways, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, just take take your time, be careful, call before you head up and uh, expect... uh, some delays. Yes. You know. Uh, but speaking of ice. Speaking of ice. Speaking of ice. <laughs> Kevin Callan, our buddy Kevin Callan, just announced that he's got a new book coming out. Yes. Now, it's not available till October. Uh, but if you pre-order it on Amazon now, you'll get it delivered later. Yeah. I'm not sure, but there might be a bit of a discount. Uh, it's The Complete Guide to Winter Camping. 
Speaking of ice. Yes. <laughs> and it, it was interesting as we heard a lot of the rounds and speaking tours that uh, everybody does for all these adventure shows. He talked about his book and how he was really cramming to get it done. And he was short by 3,000 words or something. something yeah, he had to cram to get the rest of it yeah. in. Yeah. So, so it was but interesting. He did. Yeah, it was interesting to hear him talk about it. And now we see the book coming out. Yeah, The Complete Guide to Winter Camping. It's about... Um, Everything winter camping, hot yes. tenting, cold tenting. Uh, what does it say here? It covers nearly every aspect of snow and ice fun and safety. Advice on setting up shelter to choosing a sleep system and warm clothing gives readers the knowledge to outfit themselves properly to enjoy winter. And with chapters on how to track animals, check ice thickness, operate a snowmobile and catch a fish while ice fishing, the happy camper ensures you'll have a good time once you're all bundled up. So, and I know he, he's big into the, uh, the winter camping and that as well. Yes. He's, he's been doing a lot more of it lately and it, it's nice to see him branch out from the, the typical summertime camping stuff and, and do more about the winter camping. I yeah, look forward to I reading look forward the book. To, well, you know what? And come October when you, when it's released, um, you're going to be doing your fall canoe trip. So this is something perfect yeah, to take on fall your. Fall canoe trips, winter camping planning. Yep. Perfect This is timing. perfect time, time to get it. So. Um, I think that wraps up, uh, everything for this week. Uh, ticks and canoe sales and Kevin Callan's book. Yes. All right. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you're looking for more on us, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com. We've started a blog there as well. You can find us on Instagram and sometimes kind of sketchy. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's my job. I don't do a very good job of it. <laughs> so uh, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.